Good morning, 360 family. <clears throat> How are you? Great to see you. Happy New Year-ish, almost. <laughs> it's, the perfect, uh, it's the perfect thought that we've just sung together, that I wait on God. And I find uh, with the current pace of our culture that often that's very difficult. So it's easy to sing, and it's a concept that we understand. But when it comes to stopping, pausing, it really becomes a challenge, I think, for the, for the human uh, uh, element and, and uh, who we are, and especially living in our culture, which is so fast-paced. But we're going we're gonna to do that, and I think it's the perfect time to, to, to kick off a, a conversation that I'm calling Taking Inventory. So um, as you end the year, it's just, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I... Uh, I, I, you kind of reflect back on the year and you think, what is, you know, how did this year go? What was successful? Perhaps some of you are business owners. What did I do well? What did I did not do well? Family, how did we go, do as a family? How did I do spiritually? It's just a, it's a reflective a part of the year. I, I uh, have one magazine subscription and, uh, it's, and I didn't even subscribe to it. Somebody subscribed it uh, for me. It's called Creation Magazine. It's fascinating, a wonderful magazine. It talks about the, the Bible and creation and science and how they all work together, and it's really, really super. So, but other than that, I don't have, many, uh, I don't have many, uh, much desire to, to read a magazine except this week. Every, every end of the year, I love those end of year magazines where it kind of, you look back and, you know, you kind of get a scope of the year and, and it's just kind of, uh, for me, a good time to, to calibrate. That sometimes there are lists of people that were lost along the year, like President, uh, you know, George H.W. Bush and, and you kind of calibrate and like you kind of think of all that. And I, I think spiritually, it's a good to take inventory. When a business person takes inventory and they look at their shelves and they're looking at what do we have a surplus of and what do we have a deficit of? And so if you're, you're going through the warehouse and you're looking at, you know, what do we have a lot of and what do we have a deficit of, it's a, it's a healthy exercise because the point is that we're going to look at the shelves that perhaps are empty and say perhaps we could replenish those shelves. Anybody that's in business, you'd be, it'd be ridiculous not to do that, to take inventory. The Bible encourages taking inventory. There are different words that are used for this, but it is a healthy thing to try to stop the, you know, the, the hustle of life, try to, to, to uh, you know, do some maintenance, and it takes some examination. Let me give you a few examples. In uh, Lamentations 3, chapter, uh, verse 40, let us examine our ways, take inventory, and test them. In other words, let's take a look at what we, who we are, what we've become, what we're doing, and then let's poke it a little bit. Let's test it to see, is this a place where it's healthy to be? Have we gotten into a track that's unhealthy, for example? Are, we, are there ways in our life, patterns that have cropped up over the last month, three months, year, 2018, that we'd say, boy, God, I'd, I'd like to veer back. So not only examine them, but also probe them and poke them and test them. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, we're told to test ourselves. And it almost comes in the form of a, a command, test yourselves. It's healthy to do. David wrote in Psalm 119, verse 59, I have considered my ways. I have stopped and considered. 
And the whole point of this, of course, if you're, again, you're a business owner, you go down your warehouse, you're looking like, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a part of this shelf that we're out of inventory. Well, a business owner wouldn't say, oh, well, I guess we're out of that. The point is, hey, let's replenish that. So I'm thinking of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, everybody pretty much knows the story, you know, asked for debt for, you know, the, half the fortune, went and blew it, went into a foreign country, blew it, ran out of money, found himself in a, you know, a, a real dire situation, came back, you know, uh, made up, father embraced him, and so it's a wonderful story. But it was in that moment that he took inventory in Luke chapter 15 and verse 17 when the prodigal son, when he came to his senses, like, hey, wait a minute. Just hold the train here just a second. Stop the plane. Got to do a little bit of maintenance. Got to do a little bit of inventory. And then action followed that. So today we, we, we're going to talk about a, 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 one of the seven topics that we're going to talk about over, uh, over time to, that we're going to take inventory on. And this is a topic that affects everybody. If you're wealthy, you don't get any more of it. If you're, if, you're, if you're not wealthy, you don't get any less of it. If you're older, you get no more. If you're younger, you, don't, you get no less. You, there, there's, no, there's no VIP when it comes to this topic. And the topic is time. Everybody in every culture, in every country, of every age, and every gender, they get the same amount of ounces of time. People ask what my favorite day of the year is. Christmas? Nope. Easter? Nope. Fourth of July? Nope. It's when we turn our clocks back and I get 25 hours in a day. Favorite day of the year. <laughs> I feel, in fact, like we should do that every other month. You know, you lose an hour one month and then the next month's awesome because you get that 25-hour day. I mean, I know it evens out, but psychologically, doesn't it feel better to say, hey, I've got more time to, you know, cut the grass, go you know, watch sports or whatever you like to do. It's this sense that there's an evenness about time. That you, you don't get any more, I don't get any more. In fact, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11, Solomon, wisest man in the world, but also cynical, in some of his writing, he said this. I've seen something else under the, under the sun. He's taken inventory of the human experience when, he, when you read Ecclesiastes. He said, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, nor food come to the wise, or, the, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time... And chance, time happens to everybody. Doesn't matter who you are, where you are in life. So I thought it would be good for us. It's certainly good for me. I always get the advantage of, you know, thinking about these things, you know, four or five days before I, you know, present them to you. I, and so I, for me, I have the advantage of having a little bit of time thinking through these. And there's some areas that has been healthy this week for me to say, hey, where am, I, where am I spending time? Is this a good place to spend time? Should I spend it other ways? So I'm going to invite you into this thinking and hopefully be challenged by the Word of God and empowered by the Spirit of God to perhaps take some inventory. So I've got three questions I want to ask you this morning, and that's it. They're not easy questions, but they're questions hopefully that will challenge you to take inventory. Here's the first question. When you look at 2018... Do you feel like your time was invested in such a way that you got spiritual satisfaction and effectiveness for the kingdom? Let me say it again. When you look at 2018, do you find as a pattern, man, I, I, re, I invested in things that brought back to me this sense of spiritual satisfaction, like, more that really 
satisfied me spiritually and was effective for God's work on earth. I'll give you a a few examples. For example, and I'll be honest, you know, I like to confess my sin first. First of all, I save a lot of money on therapy. And um, second of all, maybe it stimulates you to think, hey, everybody's, everybody's struggles here. So probably about three or four months ago, there was, I was spending time on something. I'm like, this is not bringing me anything but angst. It was political talk shows. Um, some of you, I see those heads going up and down like, yep, I've been there. And, and so, you know, you think, it's kind of stupid to even think this way, but you think that, you know, it, it looks the same, doesn't matter which channel, you got a guy on the left of the aisle, and you got a guy on the right of the aisle, and you got the referee, you know, the mediator, the newscaster, commentator, uh, you know, in the middle. And, and the guy in the middle is really not in the middle, depending on what channel, you know, they're going to lean one way or the other, right? So, so, you know, that took me a while. I'm a little slow to figure out, like, well, wait, he's not being fair either. But, you know, and then they, they bicker, and they fight, and they're talking over each other. And the guy in the middle is acting like, you know, he's trying to calm everything down. But that's what makes the show exciting. You know, the more they fight, the and then they only have seven minutes, you know, to resolve all the problems on, in Washington and around the world. And so I found myself like, yeah, yeah, and, you know, getting caught up in it, spending a lot of time, you know, an hour goes by, two hours go by, and then I turn the TV off and I'm ticked off. I'm like, well, that wasn't effective. That time spent was not spiritually satisfying. It's why I gave up golf. I'm spending a lot of money to drive home angry. I'm awful at it. I literally, back in the day, years ago, it, you know, so you can always say, before I became a Christian, because, you know, because we were so perfect as Christians, but, you know, before I became a Christian, I, I, I grew up as a kid, and there was a county golf course. You could play three bucks and play all day. Well, you know, like, they have clay, like on tennis courts. The greens were clay. They were hard as a brick. So I learned to, you know, to come up on the green, which was the brown. I'd come up on the, you know, the, the brown clay, and you'd have to bounce it you know, about 100 feet in. You know? And so it was, it was super taxing, and I would just throw my golf clubs a lot. And I still have the same golf clubs, by the way. That's why I don't play. You know, we do once-a-year tournament here in 360. That's why I can't hit it straight. They're slightly bent from throwing them so, so long. And it just hit me one day. I was a teenager. Why am I doing this? I'm so, this is so frustrating. You kind of wonder, are there things as you look back over the year that perhaps you've spent time and invested time that you think, man, that was kind of a waste. And maybe not even a waste, but it's actually has agitated my spirit rather than nurtured my spirit. There's a tremendous passage in Haggai which is not a, frequent, a frequented book, Haggai chapter 1, verse 5, and seven, 5 through 7. He says this, Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, take inventory. Consider your ways. It's another way of taking inventory. Hey, consider your ways. And in this context of our conversation today, consider your time. Just for a second. Stop the plane. Do a little maintenance on the engine. Consider your time. He says, you've sown much, but you harvest little. You've been out there planning and all these things. And you're like, hey, maybe this is not, it hasn't really come back in a way that's been fruitful. You've, you eat, but there's not enough to be satisfied. You drink, there's not enough to be drunk. You put on clothing, and no one's warm enough. You, and he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. I keep dropping coins in there, and I look in. I'm investing, but there's nothing left. 
Thus says the Lord. Have you ever noticed when God says things more than once of host? He takes some inventory on that. Consider what you're investing in. Consider your ways. And I think that it's important. You know, even good things. I often find, in, you know, of people of faith that oftentimes it's good things. I said it before. I'll say it again. I, you know, get a few emails every time I say it. And uh, so when I'm feeling lonely and I want people to be angry with me, I just say it again. And that way, you know, you get plenty of emails. But even family can be that. I think, I think we have to be careful that our family is not God. It's important, but our family is not God. My wife, whom I love very much, is not Christ. My kids, whom I, I love dearly, they're not, they can't be my idol. And so sometimes what happens is that we, we get caught in the good things that we invest in instead of investing in things or in addition to investing in things that are spiritually inclined. Can you, can you receive that the way I'm giving it? It's sensitive. I understand. But sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll find a couple that maybe just got married, and so they're, they're out of kingdom work for a year or two because, you know, it's our first year of marriage. And, or maybe there's a child, a child is born, and they're, they're out because, hey, we got a newborn child and all that. Hey, I get all the rugged ins and outs of that, but, they're, but it's, it doesn't mean that we have to give up completely and set kingdom work aside. I talked to a lady after, after the first service. She came to me. She goes, man, this message was so encouraging for me. I'm 90 years old. I'm 90 years old. God has given me a sharp mind. I'm still driving. I'm like, hey, where are you parked? Because I want to put... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> you know, so, and so I'm like, that's cool. Someone who's 90, who's, which leads me to the second question. Do you believe in 2018, do you have a sense of spiritual urgency? A sense of, you know, the older you get, you know that you know, I'm, I'm halfway past the, on my runway. I get it. I turn 60 on my, unless I'm going to live to 120. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm past the 50-yard line. I get that. And the older you get, the more, you know, the shorter you know the runway is going to be. But the challenge in life is your runway may be next Thursday. You don't know. And there's a sense that the Bible gives. Let me, let me read this and watch. watch. You, you say, hey, give me a practical way to, to, you know, to think about this. Watch this. In Psalm, 32, verse two, Psalm 39, verse 2, watch this. When I was silent and still, this is what is required to take inventory. This is what's so difficult in a fast-paced, microwave, Facebook, soundbite culture to say, hey, I'm going to be still and quiet. And watch what he says. When I was silent and still, not even saying anything good. I'm not coming to God and saying, hey, thank you for this, thank you for this, worship you, praise you, thank you, blah, blah. No. He's like, no, I'm just, I'm going to turn that off for a minute. I'm just not even saying anything good. I'm just going to going to hover down and take some inventory. When I was silent and still, not even saying anything good, my anguish increased. Something came up when I took enough time to take some inventory. Like, hey, whoa, there are some shelves here that are kind of empty. My heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned, and then I spoke with my tongue. Watch this. Show me, O Lord, my life's end. 
Let me just be super quiet and imagine on, my, on the last day that I take my last breath and I look back in retrospect. I look back. Will it be a life where I'm like, didn't get the best parent award, best son award, best spouse award, but did I, will I have looked back and take an inventory of the time I invested and will it be like, wow, the kingdom was impacted because of the time I invested. As I meditated, I said, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You've made my days a mere hand breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. It's just a drop in the bucket. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. Watch this. He bustles. Now, I don't use that word quite often, bustle, but I bustle a lot, even though I don't use the word. Do you? When I read the word, I'm like, I do bustle a lot. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm hurried. I'm going to and fro, and blah, 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 and, and it light, it's only in vain. He heaps up wealth not knowing who will get it. James reminds us in chapter 4, verse 14, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? It's a mist that appears just for a little while, and then it vanishes. 2018 was a, was a transitional, very challenging uh, year for our, our family. In, in, in February of this, this year, we discovered, I've shared with some of you, that my mom had an aggressive cancer. Her kidney was full of the cancer. They gave her weeks to live. And um, so we, my brother and I, talked to my mom and said, hey, here's, the, here's the, the reality of it. We're not gonna, you know, frost the, the truth. We're just gonna tell you what we're hearing from the doctor and, and we're gonna discuss this. And so we said, hey, um, it doesn't look great. But he has given us an option, but it's super difficult. You can have the kidney removed. Uh, and she goes, great, that's what, I'll, that's what I'll do. And we're like, well, let us, let us finish what, what the doctor said. At your age, um, the survivability of this, you know, turning 90 this year, turn 90 this year, at your age, um, it's, it's not 100% chance you'll, you know, you're, you'll not lose your life in the operating room, basically. Nope, no problem. I'll get the kidney out. Like, maybe you're not getting the fullness of this memo we're sending to you. And so uh, she goes, nope, I'll get the kidney. I was like, okay, well, well there's more. Um, the, at your age, the recovery will be brutal. It's going to take a long time. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. Nope, we'll get the kidney out. Okay, would you like to pray about this? Nope, I'm going to get the kidney out. I, okay, well, what's the story? Well, she has, over this past year and some months, been discipling uh, who's my now good friend, Sherry, who's become a very important part of our family, who walked with my mom, uh, not only through discipleship, but as a friend through all this process, and walked with us, and has been very deeply encouraging to us. Came to Christ recently uh, at, on, on a Christmas Eve, 
and uh, they've become very, very close. And so we said to mom, hey, wh- why no hesitancy? She said, well, we're not finished with our discipleship. I've got some urgent business to finish regardless of what brutal operation or recovery my work on earth is not done. 90 years old, would to God that I have that sense of urgency. I see some of you around this room that are past the 70 mark, some past the 80 mark, that are serving Christ. May I thank you for encouraging the rest of us to keep the faith and feel the urgency and not to give up. Some are in their 20s and they've given up because some life circumstance. We should look to those who are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who are living, not just believing, who are living the urgency. I'm telling you, it lights up the, the lights on my Christmas tree. So thank you guys for that. I was in Beirut about a month ago, the day before Thanksgiving. I get an email from my mom. She says, hey, just want to let you know that Sherry and I have completed our discipleship track. In my mind, I, I just, to be honest with you, I thought, uh-oh. Because that was the thing that was, you know, that was her motivation. And she said, by the way, I got a report yesterday from the doctor that I'm cancer-free. Now think about that. Now, some people would say that's a coincidence. There's a word in the Bible for it. That's what I would think about that opinion. (laughs) That's Hebrew, by the way. You can look it up later on Google. (laughs) When we live with an urgency in mind, life looks completely different, and we invest our time differently. Some people love to have fun. Awesome. Have fun. I don't have enough of it. Truly. I don't have enough fun. Or different things are fun for me. Maybe it'd be boring for you, but I, I have a different set of level of fun. But even good things, you have to say, hey, do I want to spend all my time, all my free time having fun? It may be something you take inventory. If you have a, an eternal urgency, it may be something to ask God, do I have that urgency Or if I look at the shelves of my life, the inner shelves of my life, maybe it's a missing place where I would say, God, okay, I need you to empower me to think differently about the urgency of my life. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever your hands finds to do, where your hand finds to do, do it with all your passion, all your might. Why? For in the grave where everyone is going, you can't work, you can't plan, there's no knowledge, there's no wisdom, there's no Facebook, there's no uh, fun. Well, there's probably a lot of fun in heaven, but you know, all these things that we're so, we got to get done. I think the Bible is screaming to us, don't get caught up and invest all your time in that. Act as if like Paul acted like Christ was coming at 5.30 tonight. It affects how I invest my time, my money, my talents, my skill, my knowledge, my experience. It invests in all of those things. Last question. 
Do you feel like your time is invested in impacting the culture around you? Or is, are you spending time where culture is impacting you? This is a tough one. It's super, super subtle. And I find myself speaking to you a lot about this because I think it's an issue, especially because I, I you know, over the last couple of years travel a lot outside the U.S. and then you come back in and there's just a little, you, you keep feeling the contrast. And I have compassion for us and our, it's not a judgment, but I have compassion for us swimming in the deep end of our culture because it boils the frog slowly over time and we don't realize it. Let me, get, let me give you a few examples. I'll read on a news article, you know, a bit on a news feed, and I don't know if you've ever, you know, you scroll down to the bottom and then people can put in their comments. And sometimes I'm ashamed of us as a, as a human race. It's so unkind. The name calling, the criticism, the lack of respect. Listen carefully, my Christian brothers and sisters, for whoever is the president. I don't see a lot of posts on Facebook, prayed for Donald Trump, prayed for Obama, President Obama today. I don't care if you're on the left or on the right or in the parking lot. We are commanded to be kind. We can have our political views, fine. And you're never going to hear them from this pulpit. It's not this, it's not, it's, this is not the place. But it is the place to say Christ has called us to go counter culture and not eat either, each other's lunch by mean words. How about we spend time investing in kindness? I'm, I'm a leader. I've got big boy pants. But the, the ratio is 10 to 1 of critique versus encouragement. I just say that. And I don't need, I don't need warm and fuzzy emails because don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> you step into the chair, you, you, you wear the chair, you live the chair. But I understand that, and maybe some of you do. What if you invested time, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, in, that, in, in your boss's life, just to write a note and say, hey, must be tough. I encourage you. Thank you for this. I'll give you a story. I'm in you know, my neighborhood association. Brutal. <laughs> I think every, every, every neighborhood association, brutal, man. You go to the meetings like, are, are there any, did we do a weapon check before we came in? <laughs> just want to let you know. I just, brutal over the most crazy, silly things, right? I, I get a notice. I am not the best housekeeper, you know, so they, you got to you know, pressure wash your driveway. But, you know, even the way they say it, you're in violation of code 013.B7Z. Like, okay, did you want me to spray it off? I can spray it off. No problem. And so you go to these meetings, and they're intense. We were at the swimming pool, and, and the vice president, you know, uh, chewed our kids out and, um, you know, because they had these little half board, I think they're called boogie boards, you know, and, you know, there are no surfboards in their pool. I'm like, wow, it's really not a surfboard. And it was like, bark, 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 choo, choo. You know, like, okay, okay, we'll just go home. No problem. You know, we're kind of like stunned by it all. About four weeks ago, I wrote an email to the president of our association. I can feel where you think I'm going. 
not that bad. And I said, hey, you know what? I'm a leader. I bet, I bet you you get a lot of critique. I just wanted to thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm super busy. I have, a full, I have a full load. I don't have time to check the pH balance in the swimming pool or what light bulb is burned out in the street lamp and you know, checking the paving of the road and when it needs to be and all the taxes and everything you've got to do. And... Um, I live here, and I've lived here 17 years, and I just thought it was about time for me to thank you. You know what the response is? Shock. Could be the first time that he's ever gotten an email of that nature. And why not? It was 30 minutes well worth invested time to go counterculture and show that Christ makes a difference and we don't retaliate or eat people's lunch like the culture around us. I challenge you to, to take 15 minutes, 30 minutes, write it to your spouse. Thanks for being the best mom ever. Thanks for really caring. Thanks for, for being faithful. Thanks for, for, for just being you. Last night, I'm sitting there watching TV. My youngest son comes, sits next to me. And it just kind of came out. It was weird. It was a weird thing to say to my son. I, I turned to him and say, I like you. <laughs> I mean, I knew, you know, we get used to saying, hey, I love you. I love you too. I love you. I love you a lot. I love you millions. I love you tons. I love you forever. You know, blah, blah, blah. I said, I like you. And you know what he did? He, <laughs> he kind of laughed. He goes, I like you too. <laughs> Like, okay, let's continue watching TV. <laughs> Eight seconds, really well invested. See what I'm saying? It goes countercultural to who we are. Ephesians 5:16. Look carefully. Take inventory of how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Why? Making the best use of time. Because these days are mean. These days are evil. It's easy to take pot shots at whoever's sitting in the Oval Office. That's easy. It's easy to take pot shots at your leaders, your bosses, your parents, your association presidents. That's easy. It's a lot more difficult to lift weight and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be counter to that culture. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what God's heart is, what God's will is. So I'm going to end with a, with a kind of a crazy angle here. I was doing some reading, came across the prodigal son story, and, I, and you know, we, we know the story. He asked dad for the money, went, you know, away, kind of rebellious, blew the money, came to his senses, took inventory, came back, embraced, older brother, angry, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so we often think of that story in many different angles. What I, it was surprising to me. I was looking up prodigal. I, was, I assumed that the word meant rebellious. But when you look at the origin of the word, the word prodigal means wasteful. It's a story about waste, being wasteful. And of course, we know that he blew through his fortune, but I was thinking in terms of time. When you look in between the lines. It said he went to a far country. But I wonder before he asked dad how many nights he laid on his bed awake wasting time thinking about what he would do with all that money. What a waste of time. He blew it anyway. But he, 
Spent a lot of time. Then he went to a foreign country. Now, when he left, let's say he went to his dad, and his dad gave him two million bucks. So when he went to the foreign country, how do you think he got there? Probably a limo, which in that day would have been a nice camel. He paid to get there. Well, that took a long time. It was, it was a far distant country. But when he came back, he was broke. How do you think he got there? I'm guessing he walked. How long, how do you, how long does it take to walk from a long distant foreign country? Do you ever think about that? Here's how, I, here's how I know he was gone for a long time. Because his brother who got back was kind of ticked off. He'd have to cover, you know, for, for younger brother, blowing it all the time. And if it were just three days, You'd think the brother would be like, hey, I've been carrying your chores for like three days. It's probably more like three years. That's why he was ticked off. And you show up for the party. I've been out here for three years. I got calluses on my hands. Then I start thinking, I wonder how long it takes to blow through two mil. Probably not three days. But it took a long time. And then something happened. Instead of him impacting culture, all that time wasted, culture began to impact him. Watch what happens. Uh, Luke 15, 14. After the prodigal had spent everything, not just money, he spent his reputation, he spent his time, he spent kingdom advancing, you know, anything spiritual for God, spent all that. There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So we went and hired himself out to be a citizen of that culture. Now, remember, Jesus is talking to Jewish young men. So they got a Jewish mindset here. And then what happens, he sent them out to the fields, this prodigal, to do something that no Jewish boy would ever dream of doing, to feed the pork. Pork was not allowed on the diet. Don't know if you know that. But culture, he had invested so much time in the culture of a foreign land that now he looked just like they did. I wept in prayer this morning. I'm not ashamed to say it. Um over our culture and I said God make us different help us be more encouraging and less critical help us to be more understanding and less judging help us to show up to somebody's office and say hey just came by to say I like you have a great day boy wouldn't that affect your world I don't know if anybody here is going to be global world changers like Billy Graham, but you can be a world changer where you live, the people that you work with. I don't encourage my team well enough. Hey, so good job. 2018. Check. Did that. No, just kidding. I need, I, I was, I, think, I, need to, I need to encourage my team more. Say, hey, way to go. Well done. Thanks for all you do. We have two people in charge of our security team. I called him after service. I'm like, I've not thanked you enough. You really have done a faithful and amazing job. And I don't have to think about it. Thank you. Man, you think you're giving people gold bricks because we're not used to it in our culture, right? I'm going to end with D.L. Moody's words. D.L. Moody was a, f- a famous preacher. I read his sermons a lot, Spurgeon's sermons a lot. 
And D.L. Moody said about the prodigal son, he said, but one day I can see him, the prodigal son, and he gets a thinking. I like that word. <laughs> he gets a thinking. He's starting to take some inventory. And he said, it's a good thing to stop and think. He says, I wish we could get some of the men in this city. Just think about this. Many, many decades ago. I wish we could get some of the men in this city to think where they are and what is going to be the end of it. That's why I wept today. At the end of it all, hey, we're all broken. And this is where it starts. It starts at the end of us and the empowerment of Christ. I'm not against New Year's resolutions, but I think there's something more powerful. I, th I think it's more powerful to say, God, as I enter into this new year, I want to give you me. I want to just offer myself, and I want, I'm asking for you to empower me, maybe in just one thing. Empower me in one thing in the use of my time. I want you to navigate, I'm asking you to navigate me, to recalibrate, to give me some quiet time, to be still and to think and to take inventory. And is there one thing, God, that you would empower me? I, I literally got a, a short list here uh, for myself, and maybe you, maybe you would too, but of that list, God, so I'm not overwhelmed at so, doing so much, God, would you empower me? to do what I can't do. This is, where, this is where it makes a difference, being connected to Christ. I want to spend some time, just taking a minute to take some inventory, some quiet time to take a deep breath. And as this word is fresh in our hearts and minds, just to, to say, God, what are you showing me right now? Can we do that? I'd like to pray. Thank you, Father. For a year, for every single person, we could we can name the the top few things that were the hardest of 2018 in our own personal lives, and some of the things that were the best of 2018. Everybody's story has a mountain and a valley, and it's good to think. You've told us this over and over today in your Word. It's a good thing to stop and think, to take inventory, and specifically today. God, to think about 2018 and the patterns of where we're spending our time and investing, maybe in some really good things, but maybe those good things have overtaken us. Maybe some unhealthy things that you would speak to us and say, man, let's, let me empower you to subtract that from your investment. Maybe today, God, we're encouraged or challenged or even unsettled about our lack of encouraging. Maybe culture has affected us where we're, our minds are cynical or critical and less encouraging. God, maybe you're calling some of us to go counter-cultural and tell somebody today, hey, I like you. Appreciate what you're doing. Thank you, Father, that you understand where we stop and you begin. You ask us to make choices. You've given us a free will, God. But often as fractured uh, human beings, 
we lack the power to do it. And God, this is where we, the best place to take inventory is at the foot of the cross of Jesus. To crucify ourselves, to say, God, I, I don't have the ability, the capacity to do the things I want to do. So would you empower me through the Holy Spirit of God? Would you empower me with a, with a level of spiritual capacity that I could never dream of doing on my own. So, the family, let's just take a, just a couple of minutes just to, to do something that life doesn't afford us, just to take a deep breath and to meditate, to hover, to consider our, our last year and going into the first the, the first of this year and let's just take some inventory Father, for your faithfulness, your faithfulness in 2018 as in every year of human existence. God, thank you for your faithfulness in the valleys and the mountains. God, before we close this prayer, I can only imagine that some people come in and they're soul weary and perhaps they, they are trying to make a life change. They're, they're, they're trying to, to search for truth and, and spirituality. And, and maybe today they come to the end of themselves in order to find Christ. So many of us in this room have this living and personal relationship with God. And we're going to pray right now in our hearts for you as people prayed for us, if you're at this intersection of your life. And I want you to know that Christ came to earth. He didn't ask you to come to him. He came to earth for you. Because the love for, for you personally, uniquely, by name, is so deep that he was willing to go to a cross, lay himself down, to absorb your sin, to take it on himself so that you could, you could come to God freely, to come like you are, to say, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, I'm imperfect, and I want a relationship with Christ. 
Religion says you have to be good enough. Christ says I've already done it for you. Will you depend on me completely? The effort stops right here to reach out and say, God, I want a relationship with you that's real, not religious, but real. And I come to Christ and there's no hiding that I need you and I'm, I'm broken, God. And I'm going to ask you, Jesus, for the forgiveness of all my sin. And I'm asking you to ignite a new life in me. And I, and I give you my life completely. Maybe that's you praying that today. Father, how faithful you are. How loving you are. How patient you are. And so we end this time, but we end our year together as a church family by by being absolutely grateful, profoundly grateful, God, for your faithfulness. We love you, God, for all that you are and all that you are in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.